And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's Word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation, a sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888 That's P.O. Box 18888 San Antonio, Texas 78218 Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible The entire Bible every year On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers, and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of the Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Sophie Dollar. Thank you for joining us tonight, everyone. We're so glad you're out there as we continue our journey through this book of books. We've read Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and we went and caught the Gospel of Matthew in the New Testament, and now we've come back to Numbers and Deuteronomy. We finished that. We went and caught the Gospel of Mark, and now we've come back to Joshua, Judges, and the little book of Ruth. So we're kind of slowly, slowly making our way through the uh, entire Bible as we've been doing for many, many years and giving you a chance to uh, journey, join us in that journey through the scriptures, through the Bible every year. And so uh, Jacob is here with me. You've got some special things lined up for the book of Joshua. Well, yes, I do. But within about three minutes, Mm -hmm. we're going to get a special phone call. Exactly. Uh, But we'll come back to our theme of the book of Joshua, so you stay with us. Uh, And uh, this very, very special individual, his name is Timothy Mahoney. Uh, he, I think he's calling us in from He's in Minnesota, Minnesota tonight. tonight. He's in Minnesota. Uh, some of you may remember uh, Timothy. He is an explorer, an adventurer par excellence. He's an archaeologist. He's a filmmaker, of course. And he, uh, we discussed, I think, what was it, maybe a year ago? Uh, probably, or, yeah. Yeah. The, uh, he talks, uh, he he does these journeys across uh, Egypt, across the uh, Israel, and he um, researches biblical themes, and we're going to get a chance to visit with Timothy tonight because he's come out with a, a new movie called The Miracle of the Red Sea. It's coming this Tuesday evening at all the Regal and Santicos theaters across San Antonio. Miracle well, actually, of the Red Sea. in San Antonio, yes, but it's going to be released yeah. na- nationwide. Here in our city, it'll be at all of our Regal theaters in Santicos on Tuesday evening. I hope you'll get out and see it, folks. We've gotten to preview it, uh, both Jacob and I, and it is magnificent. I, I, some of you remember that uh, Timothy before... Uh, 
produced, uh, always been doing research for many decades now, but uh, this is the fruit of about 20 years, I think he said. Oh, yeah. Almost he, two yeah, decades he's, he's of research. Not, yeah, amount of years. And great, great uh, scholars and uh, experts from the archaeological world, from England, from Egypt, from Israel, from all over the world. And he brings all of that insight and all of those uh, that information to us. Uh, in this case about the Red Sea, you remember before, though, we've talked about the um, the exodus uh, from Egypt, uh, the people of Israel coming out of Egypt, the conquest of, of the Promised Land under Joshua's leadership. And uh, remember, I think the last thing we covered with Timothy was the it was about the language, the writing of the Torah. Who was the author? Was Moses the author of the first five books of the Hebrew Scriptures, the, the Tanakh, the Old Testament? And uh, just a brilliant um, presentation and very, very interesting, very interesting person. I, I, I enjoy talking with him. He's he just hey, he's an adventurer. Well, I mean, he, and he does. And what I like about his documentaries, because they're really his documentaries, and they're, they can be somewhat academic. I can't right, grant you of that. Course, yeah. But he does bring on the experts. In fact, he's fair and balanced because yes. he's not an unbalanced person. Right. So uh, he so he brings on the experts from each side, and the movie. And I'm sure he's going to tell us about it when he calls in. Uh, he's going to uh, explain that he does what's called the Egyptian view and the Hebrew view. Right. Now, before he gets on, I will tell you that the ancient writings of the Hebrews actually is exactly what he's presenting. Uh, now, the Egyptian, the modern scholars, they take a different view called the Egyptian view. Uh-huh. Uh, in fact, some people say, oh, well, the Exodus never happened, except we now have archaeology evidence that uh, that it did happen. We found tremendous things. In fact, uh, there's one expert. His name he's an Austrian, and his name is Manfred, and his last name is Binky. Mm -hmm. And uh, he has actually been excavating with the consent of Egypt in what we call Goshen, mm -hmm. and he has discovered plaques with the name, actual name of the pharaoh. When, that was in the, in charge when Moses let him out, mm -hmm. and his name. Now I'm going to say this as best I can. His name from Egyptian is Achtan Musa, mm -hmm. which means brother of Moses, and that's exactly what's in the movies. That remember the '50s movies with Charlton Heston. It's uh -huh. exactly what's in because they got it from the ancient Jewish writings, yeah. and here he found a tablet. Well, that fits right into our theme of the evening here, where we are reading in the scriptures, and also what we're going to talk to Timothy about. Is that 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 whole episode of the of the the point of departure, as you say, Goshen? The people lived in the a region called Goshen. The early scriptures, Jesum, Gesum, and uh, so they. Oh, that's the Egyptian the, name for it. The, yeah. the Egyptian name, the the point of departure. We talk about then the journey across, and then, of course, the crossing of the Red Sea, the miraculous crossing of this uh, body of water, in which the people of Israel walked across on dry land, and the Egyptian. Uh, troops that were pursuing them, the uh, chariots and so on, were destroyed in uh, when the water came back over. And then after Tim, Timothy, Tim leaves us, he'll leave us at 9.30. And when he's done, uh, then at 9.30, we'll go ahead and get into Joshua. Then is Timothy with us now? Okay. Yes. And as soon as he leaves, uh, we'll go into Joshua at 9.30. Why don't you, you bring him on? Uh? I am. 
Okay. Let's go and visit with Tim. Tim are you there? I hope you're on the line with I'm us. I'm here. Yes, I am. How okay. are you? So glad to talk with you again. I, I I admire you so much. You you have more fun than a barrel of monkeys, I think, in your life. Uh, you're such an adventurer, explorer, archaeology, uh, and of course, then you get into filmmaking. What an amazing life you have, my friend. And now it'll be your turn, Tim, to tell all about us. Go right ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, Nothing, well it, thank- we get our joy from talking with a man like you, Timothy. Thank you for taking the time out to visit so with I us So I heard tonight. a rumor, Tim, that you're having another movie open somewhere? That's correct, yep. Uh, believe it or not, we've got actually two. It's a two-parter. The Red Sea Miracle Part 1 is going to be February 18th. That's in it's two another, days. Yeah. Yep, uh, another Patterns of Evidence film. And uh, this is the one I actually started working on, uh, you know, way back in 2002, and uh, uh, what happened was uh, someone said there wasn't any evidence for the Israelites in, in Egypt, so why look for the route of the Exodus? And that began a long uh, part of my life. Uh, in fact, a third of my life has been spent uh, really uh, investigating and, and interviewing and traveling to the Middle East and different places, Man. trying to sort out uh, all of this. Well, it is. Uh, d- tell me, uh, before we get into it uh, too much in depth, I just want wh- wh- what drives you, Timothy? What what makes this so interesting to you and something such a passion for you in your life? I, I saw something of your background and your family and all, in, in the film. You reveal a part of that, but kind of from from the horse's mouth here. What what is it that makes it so fascinating to you? That's a good question. Uh, sometimes I wonder that myself. I think that uh, I think there's sometimes we're 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 supposed to do something, and um, hmm. and I felt as if uh, in my particular life, uh, you know, I felt as if there was something I was supposed to do, and I didn't know exactly what that something was, other than uh, I I sometimes we don't know what is what will happen in the future, but we have to take a step. And for me, I was sensed that I was supposed to make films. I felt that I was supposed to make films about the Bible, and I wasn't sure how that would would come about. But earlier in my life and career, I ended up producing and, and being interested in talking with lots of scholars. And so prior to making the Patterns of Evidence films, I probably made about 30 plus curriculums, uh, and oftentimes with scholars, and I've probably produced 300 episodes there, uh, and I produced mm-hmm. a number of different things, worked with the Billy Graham Association, mm-hmm. and made uh, some documentaries about their films, and eventually I came to hear about people searching for evidence of the Exodus, and that piqued my interest back in 2000, and that led me then to my first trip to Egypt. And that's uh, that's how this all came about. And the the films that I've made are very. They're I've tried to take complex things and simplify them so that we can understand them, but hopefully not oversimplify them, but at least make them so that people can understand. Well, what does the Bible? Uh, what is the biblical account telling us happened? And so we started this process, mm. which we call Patterns of Evidence. And, you know, as you've seen in the films, mm-hmm. uh, the first one was the Exodus, which we looked for a pattern of evidence of the Israelites living in Egypt and then the conquest of the Promised Land. So right. we looked for that pattern. The second film was 
did Moses have the ability to write? Uh, because people were saying that he didn't. Mm-hmm. Scholars, they were criti- critical of the Bible. And so I said, well, what would he have written with? Was there any writing system available? And that uh, film came out last year called The Moses Controversy, and we show that it, very in the very beginning, the very first alphabetic-type script shows up exactly in the same place that mm-hmm. the Israelites were living, at mm-hmm. the same place in the world, at the same time the Israelites would have been in Egypt. And this film then connected, that film connected the uh, dots with, it pos- that it, we believe it could be uh, Hebrew. Mm-hmm. It was an early, it was a Semitic language, and that became, that alphabet is the basis of all alphabets in the world. Right. It is so fascinating, and I, I, it's just incredibly it's so interesting and so important, I would suppose, to all of us. Uh, so filmmaking was the kind of your entry point. You were interested in making films, which in itself is a, a fascinating world. But then, uh, of course, in the meantime, you had to become a geographer, an archaeologist. You have even DNA enters into a lot of these studies. There's so Anytime you study some of these great texts and these great events, you get in. There are aspects of all of these different sciences, language, linguistics. It is just so fascinating that you're able to to work and you interview some of these great, great scholars, minds, from, intellects from from England, the United States, universities, and so on. I I was curious when you talk to these men of of such renowned renowned backgrounds and, and great history. And so, is there a is there, and you, and you have some of these interviews in, in your film, uh, Miracle of the Red Sea. And now, again, it's coming to San Antonio this Tuesday evening at all the Regal and Santicos theaters. And uh, It'll be only one direction. showing, so if somebody wants to see it, they need you to see it. You've got to get there to it, folks. Don't miss it. It is really, really exciting, great, great stuff. Uh, for for others, all of us bibliophiles, uh, lovers of the scriptures, it's 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 so interesting and fascinating to us. And we're talking with Timothy Mahoney uh, from uh, calling us from Minnesota, I think tonight. He's the director That's producer right. of, of the film, and uh, it's such a privilege to have you. What is the key to what is the key to dealing with and talking to all of these high intellectual scholars? I mean, I wonder. If, in my mind, you have these wonderful interviews in the film, and it's fascinating to meet these men who study this, the the text and the and the and the, uh, the archaeology and so on. But is there any particular key to? Do they have big egos normally, or are they? <laughs> I was just wondering, as you've met them, do you have to treat them with uh, with kind of tenderness and so on, or is there? A, in other words, is it difficult? Okay. Well, yeah. Uh, if uh, oftentimes, I, actually, they're happy. Uh, most of the time I've experienced that many of them are very, very happy to talk uh, because uh, someone's interested in what they've done. Their whole life has been spent uh, one time, you know, sort of it's like uh, it might be only a foot wide but a mile deep, you know, uh, on a topic. Uh-huh. And the, the opportunity that I've had has been just uh, I actually really enjoy learning, and I'm very curious, and, I, and I'm a quick study. Uh, and then I see th- things actually – uh, visually, and I, I try to understand uh, how what they're trying to communicate to me, and I tr- usually come prepared with quite a few questions. Sometimes, if I have enough questions, it would maybe take a couple days to talk with them, because I'm more like a vacuum cleaner, asking them, okay, explain to me a lot of what you've done, and help me understand this. And I've done enough interviews, probably several, I, I can't say how many, sometimes I'm going to add it up, but it's 
you know, between 100 and 200, because sometimes in one film I'll have 20-plus interviews. I'll have interviewed lots of people before I get to that. Mm-hmm. But what's been unusual, I think, in my case, is that I've interviewed so many different people from so many different points of view, and then I we try to do research. I have a research partner, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Steve Law, for the last uh, almost you know, 15 plus years, he and I have worked together. Uh, he does a lot of research. Uh, I do. Uh, I do a fair amount of research, and then I have a sort of an instinct that I have a sense of direction, and I don't feel like I'm making these films alone. There are times, mm. you know, where I, I feel like there's a guidance in looking for uh, a strand of information that seems to be. I feel a sense of direction. Um, I see things. And I know there are times when I wake up in the morning as I'm waking up, I feel like I'm directed as to what I should do and how I should go about it. And that's why I think oh, these films are You are married, just, I hear. <laughs> I am married, yes. Uh, so there's, uh, I have a sense of, of um, in other words, I can't take credit for all this. I want to make that very clear, mm. that um, I'm, I'm involved with it, but I have a team, I, I have a, I have a, a sense of direction. Mm-hmm. I think I have a calling to do it. So well, I'm, I, I understand that. I really do, with all my heart. I've been 50 years on the mission field myself, and uh, it's taking a different direction. But I'm so fascinated, and I want you to know the well, the, so, the serious but I'd simple. I'd like to ask a couple questions. The though. serious but simple people of the world really appreciate Timothy what you're doing, and it makes it such a difference in, in our lives. Uh, as you take the book, the Bible itself, these these events. And you flesh them out for us, and we get a chance to see, you know, did this really, is this just a book of fairy tales, or is, did, did God really step into time and space, and did he really act and speak and involve himself in the affairs of men and women? That's a tremendous thing, a favor you're doing for all of us. I want you to know for us, the serious but simple folk, we really And you do successfully, I, I think, take a very complex issues and you simply you take us into the libraries, into the uh, laboratories, into the in, to actually see the computer screens of these experts and these uh, these authorities on these different topics, and we get to go in and hear from them and see the result of their research and hear their theories. It, it is so fascinating. We're talking with Timothy Mahoney from the uh, movie coming to San Antonio this week on Tuesday evening, Miracle of the Red Sea. And uh, I want us to get a little bit into now more the specifics of this particular film. Uh, it deals with the departure uh, from the people of Israel departing out of Egypt, out of the land of Goshen or, or Gesem or whatever it's called there. And you can clear that up for us. But as in making their way across, where was this crossing point? Where was this great miracle of the parting of the sea? And uh, and um, maybe you can walk through a little bit through that with us. I'm. Thank you for allowing Jacob and me to watch the film. We've really, really enjoyed it. I, I can't wait to see it again and review again. The, the, it's just fascinating. But uh, I, I think Jacob has a question or two. And, but I want you to kind of, if you can, in the few minutes we have to kind of walk through the content of what people might be able to see on Tuesday evening. Yeah. Hey, Tim, I just wanted to, I know that you said that you went through a crisis of faith at one point. You mentioned it in this most recent movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yeah. I was wondering, uh, somebody came very close to it, but I was wondering, for you, as you went through this, were you satisfied that your, your the needs of your faith was answered? And were you satisfied there was uh, indeed something called the Exodus and the Red Sea parting, etc.? 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. And my crisis of faith actually was very short in a sense that it happened, and it happened almost. What I would share with your audience would be that I think that there are doubts that sometimes are in our hearts that grow over time. And for me, when I came out of Egypt um, the first time, there was some doubt that was planted in there when they said there wasn't any evidence for the Exodus. But over the weeks, then, it started to get worse and worse and worse. And um, I think this can happen to lots of people, and it has happened to lots of people. And so uh, I was sitting in my edit suite, and I've told this story many times, where on a Saturday I was looking at this footage, and this thought came into my mind. It was like the room got cold, and, it, and I, this thought came into my mind. Everything your family has believed about the Bible, your mother believes about the Bible, you believe about the Bible, is a lie. And for a moment, I had the most horrid sense of terror and emptiness mm-hmm. and hopelessness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another thought came to my mind, right, almost immediately from on my right side. It was on my left side, I had one thought, on my right side was another thought. Get up and get out of this edit suite, go to your office. And I went there, go to your bookcase, look at that book. And a book that was written by Egyptologist David Roll. Someone had given it to me. I hadn't looked at it. I I, I mean, I didn't look at it very thoroughly. I I just put it on my bookcase about a year earlier. And when I opened that book, I started to see that he had uncovered a pattern of evidence, really, for Joseph and his family coming into Egypt. And that was the beginning of this, Mm -hmm. um, you know, change. So I think for some people, um, what I was able to do was find and illustrate a pattern of evidence for the Exodus that's been ignored or denied or pushed off or mm-hmm, not mm-hmm. being a connection, and try to explain that. That's what the first film did, and then the second film, which I think was the most profound that I made, true, even though it's probably not as popular, the Moses controversy is the fact that, that I think there's a connection that the reason we all have an alphabet, this simple writing system, for is one primary reason, and that's to retain the knowledge of God. We can use it for many other things, but the main reason we have it is that it says in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so here we are with this device, this most unique, uh, uh, ingenious device of an alphabet, and its primary purpose, I believe, is to know and retain the knowledge of God, pass it on from generation mm-hmm. to generation. Now this next film, The Red Sea Miracle, uh, you know, it's, it's February 18th, the Red Sea Miracle, which is Tuesday. Mm-hmm. All across the nation in over 800 theaters now, we've got a two-part epic film, which is going to be investigating the route of the Exodus. Between Egypt, where they left, and Mount Sinai, the, the, the Bible has recorded that there was a tremendous miracle. And I read through the scripture today, multiple times it says, I'm going to gain glory over Pharaoh and his army. And do not forget what God did by bringing you up out of Egypt, Jacob, right? Your relatives got <laughs> came up out of Egypt. And with a mighty hand, God is going to do this. So this next part of our investigation is, is looking, okay, well, how did this happen? And which way did they go? And what seat did they cross? And what do we learn by? Right. What will we learn by this? You know. Yes. So, it is so amazing. It really is, and it's so thought provoking. And if you know those of you who love the Bible and love the Scriptures and make this journey through the Scriptures with us every year, you're going to be so excited and glad you saw this. It's called Miracle of the Red Sea Tuesday evening. Now the 18th Tuesday evening, 
here at all of our Regal and Santicos theories here in the seventh largest city of the nation. We're so thrilled, Timothy. You're going to be here uh, through the film and the things that we're going to learn from you. I, I, I wish we had a lot more time to talk with you about it. But, you know, it seems like in this era and this time and this date of information, online information, and uh, I tell young people that I work with continually each and every week, uh, the, you know, my son told me some time ago, Dad, when you were young, to be a, a, a follower of God and, and, and a lover of God, you had to, the problem was to know what to believe. In this generation, the problem they have is who to believe. You know, there's so many voices, so much information coming at them. And this is a voice, folks, that you can trust. It is well presented. Uh, the, 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 the support for the arguments, the interviews, the firsthand interviews, you're going to be so excited and thrilled that you saw this. And not that it answers every question. I'm surprised a little bit, Timothy, that we don't know more. Still, we're trying to, some of these things, we're still trying to figure out. Of course, we're talking about, what, 3,500 years or more. You know, the, uh, mm-hmm. and, and so I guess it shouldn't be a mystery, but um, sometimes I'm a little surprised that we don't know more with some certainty. It's, it's just so hard tracing these changes, right? Whether it's archaeology, geography, linguistic, even DNA, that. The world has changed, over, and, and to track those down is it's amazing ability. Well, to it's, have. A, it's a yeah, it's a it's a uh, thirty five hundred years ago. You know, we know sometimes a lot more about biblical events than they do about other forms of history. But they're very confident in yes. other. I mean, other events yeah. in history. Yeah, uh, but but I think that. Uh, uh, what I would share with you is that, and if you need guys, uh, we can talk a little bit more if you want. Uh, 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 I love talking about it, but um, I've been going uh, for the last week, <laughs> night and day, <laughs> nonstop. Uh, you know, I'm sure, yes, working on it. But I think what I would share with you is that. Um, so why isn't there more evidence? Well, as you see in this film, we're going to unveil that there have been things that have been missing, and this is the. Um, the you know as far as how our what our understandings have been, and then there can be events that happen in history that cause people to forget or to have things, um, uh, let's say, forgotten. I guess it's the same thing as forget, but I mean right. they've forgotten because they were carried off to war. I mean, Tim, what has happened I hate to interrupt that, you. The music is starting. Uh, and we okay. got less than a minute. Uh, but, I but, know our time is up, but did you want to stand for another? Oh, couple? if you could, I'd love to have you finish yeah, that thought. That's 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 if you could stay I'll come with us, oh, you're so gracious. Thank you so much. We will be right back with Timothy Mahoney. He is a producer of the film Miracle of the Red Sea. Uh, coming to San Antonio this coming week, Tuesday evening, and so uh, stay with us. I'm going to ask him a little bit about what is the. I want to know what. What the number one, if you can do it, what's the number one thing you learned that was new for you uh, during the filming of Miracle of the Red Sea? So we'll come right back and talk with Timothy, finish our interview in just a few minutes. Don't go away. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Dr. Stan Shelton, with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway, has taken care of the Dollar family, that's Suzanne and me, plus our three children, for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. 
Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. You're listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. All right, we are back, and so pleased to have just a few more minutes at least with our good friend and our very talented person, very influential in our lives. His name is Timothy Mahoney. He is the producer of uh, some incredible, wonderful films. Uh, the one that is coming to San Antonio this week, Tuesday evening, Miracle of the Red Sea. Uh, it is, uh, I guess it would be called a documentary, right? Oh, it's a documentary, yeah. yeah. Without a doubt. Yeah, it's, a and, and, yep. it's, actually, it's actually called... It's actually called the Red Sea Miracle. The Red Sea Miracle. The, okay, Red Sea Miracle. Tuesday evening at all our Regal and Santico's theaters and all eight hundred sta- uh, I'm sorry, eight hundred theaters across the nation. Uh, it's an mm-hmm. exciting, exciting thing to see. And and uh, we don't have you much long. I don't want to abuse that, but I wanted to talk a little bit about ask you the f- final question here. But what? What would your number one takeaway from this whole adventure of producing and the interviews and traveling and seeing? What was the what was the one thing uh, I I was impressed by the fact that people around nations around still heard about the miracle. I, when I heard that in your film, it made me think. Well, that is an interesting aspect of this whole thing. Other nations had heard about it, but anyway, when you studied it, what 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 was the most uh, impressive? important development that in this this whole episode of the people of Israel leaving Egypt and going to Mount Sinai what changed well i think that uh as you you know i've been in the the, the desert multiple times and i think the issue that i don't know that we can grasp is how big this might have been this uh event uh has echoed or even grown over time and, and, and why it says we're not supposed to forget this, and I think it might be up to 140 times. I'm not sure. It says, do not forget what God did by bringing you up out of Egypt. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the scale of it is probably much greater than what many of us uh, realize. And, I, and there's reasons that I believe we're not supposed to forget it. If The question then is, is that uh, as I've divided the film into two different groups, of of you know of of ways of looking at it. one as you note I call it the Egyptian approach another one I call the Hebrew approach mm-hmm. and today the common for us to take the Egyptian approach sees the the scale of the Exodus as being a smaller uh, closer to Egypt uh, it, uh, at the Reedy Lakes and they're seeing that it could be that the, the Israelites were at a a marshy lake called the Sea of Reeds in the Bible possibly or there's other people that believe, no, that's not where this event happened. It happened at the Gulf of Aqaba, which is an extension of the Red Sea, mm-hmm. and that is uh, the right arm of the Red Sea on the Sinai Peninsula, and that it happened much further away, and that it was a spectacular, enormous miracle. 
Mm-hmm. And so that's the tension in this film is that is the question of, well, to what scale was this and what is God trying to show us uh, in this event? And, um, and then the question of provision, because God was providing for the Israelites mm-hmm. through this journey. Even that, that uh, pillar, I'm going to, in the film, the next film is we start to look at miracles further on part two on May 5th. So February 18th, Tuesday night is part one, and May 5th will be the part two, mm-hmm. is that what was that pillar? And, and it says by it was pillar, still, do you mean the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Do you, do you know what the Scripture says that that was? A cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. <laughs> That's yeah. all I know. Tell me more. Well, it wasn't just that. It was that it was the Spirit of God that was, was, was amongst mm-hmm. it, in other words. And actually, yes. I found out that there's a deeper Hebrew understanding. There's a word that's used in Hebrew that's only used one other time, and that was when the Spirit of the Lord hovered over the waters at the beginning of creation. Uh-huh. I believe that that same word is used, That I believe, as I recall, that that was the same word was hovering over the Israelites as he led them out. And yes. so something is going on here that God, God was involved. And I think the question for all of us today, and I have to be honest with you guys, uh, I was almost ready to to throw in the towel in the fall because it was so difficult to make this film. Uh, because, you know, I've been at it for 20 years, lots of risk, lots of financial challenges. Things weren't coming together, and I didn't know if I could get there. And many of us have these Red Sea moments where we're trapped at a sea and we have got uh, uh, an army behind us that wants to destroy us. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that this film is important for us to remember that sometimes we just have to call out to God and ask for help. And and what does he tell Moses when the Israelites say, you know, he said, God speaks to him and says, you know, stand firm, you know, I'm going to take over, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, you know, I'm going to fight for you. Mm-hmm. And there's times in our own lives when, you know, we're pretty much crapped. And the question will be is, uh, we're going to have to just trust that God will fight for us. And I would say that this film has been one of those moments for me, even just making it, getting mm-hmm. it to this place. Uh, and, and I've had to just sort of see what would happen, and it just continued to develop, and more and more people came. And I think what will happen, as you saw, is that I've heard from some people they said, you know, I watched this and I just wanted to uh, shout, you know, yeah. like hallelujah. Yeah, it does. You know, if they were watching it. Yeah, it, 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 it encourages. It's not that it answers every question, but it asks all the right questions. And it, and it gets us to think and understand that, it, you know, God did move. He did speak. He did act. And, and this book that we have, he gave us a book. He gave us a record of his acting. I, I'm so great, grateful to you, Timothy, really, uh, and admiring of what you're doing and appreciate you coming on with us tonight. Uh, remember, folks, Miracle, uh, the, the Red Sea Miracle, there you go, the Red Sea Miracle, Tuesday evening at all Regal and Santico Theaters. And thank you for making us a part of your your. Um, uh, all of your interviews and the presentation, Timothy. We appreciate you very much. Uh, thank you, Timothy. Well, that's right. We'll be in touch. Thank you so much for joining well, us. Well, you're welcome. And, and if they go to our website, PatternsofEvidence.com, PatternsofEvidence.com, you can actually buy tickets now. I've just been looking through, and tickets are selling all over. You can pre-buy the tickets. So you can go 
and hit buy tickets. You can put your zip code on there and see where the theater is and buy your tickets. Excellent. So you can buy them in advance, and I recommend that because oftentimes we have a huge rush coming to the theater, and, and I can see from different theaters around the country that a lot of the theaters have, have sold a lot of the tickets. So I would suggest that people go to our Patterns of Evidence. They can see a trailer and get a feel for it, and then uh, they can get their tickets. But bring a small group. Bring your Bible study group. Bring your friends, your relatives. Um, we even have children that are coming that are really, really enjoying this. And, uh, Wonderful. Well, thank you for having me on the program. You well, bet, thank Timothy. You. Patternsofevidence.com. Go there and get your tickets. We'll see you Tuesday evening, folks. Thank you, Timothy, for being with us tonight. Yep. God thank bless you. you. Bye-bye. All right. What a thrill. I mean, uh, Thank you, Jacob, for making that possible. You, Jacob got in touch with Timothy and uh, followed it through and got him to be a part of our program, and we're so grateful. Folks, let's turn out. Let's let's see each other on Tuesday night then at this uh, any of the Regal or Santicles theaters across the uh, the city, and, and you'll enjoy it immensely. I, I can't wait to get back home and, and watch it. Uh, I left it on hold so I can get a second viewing of it uh, and go back through it again. Uh, we probably ought to explain because you cannot watch it. Nor, uh, oh, the only yeah. reason we saw it is because he let us have a one one clip view of it. Uh, we can't repeat it, but so we can't watch it over and Just over. Just us big important people on the radio. Well, uh, he <laughs> does that so that uh, we will be able to talk somewhat articulately uh, about his yeah. about his movie. It is so fascinating, folks. You you're really going to enjoy it, and uh, I can imagine on the big screen i can imagine how powerful this is is going to be uh, it's called the miracle of the red or the red sea miracle and it talks about the people the part departing out of egypt uh the the route the direction they take there's some really interesting things well, in i didn't want to use up uh, his time but right. I, but i really i like to share an idea with sure you. sure so in the hebrew it's a very small language mm-hmm. so they uh what it also presents pictures because when they're in Egypt, Egypt in Hebrew is Mitzrayim, which means boundaries or limitations of sin, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when they, and the first thing that happens when a lady has a baby, when a woman has a baby, is the water breaks. So when the water breaks, the children come through, and then on the other side they're called the children of Israel. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the cloud he's talking about, in English they call it the Shekinah, mm-hmm. but uh, the Shekinah. Shekinah, mm-hmm. and that like Spanish Hebrew has male and female words. That's a female. So the spirit is always considered more or less a female. Mm-hmm. And then they're led across the desert to the mountain of God, and God, the Daddy, lays down the law. Mm-hmm. So you've got the picture of birth going on, and the reason the word he's talking about in Hebrew. Is right. It occurs in Genesis when the world is separated and the Spirit of God hovered above. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so this is the same thing because what's happening is God is taking them from the water as He created the world from separating the waters. Mm-hmm, it's fascinating. And story. here they're passing through the water. Uh, if you take the analogy maybe a little further, the idea of coming out of Egypt and crossing over the sea. Again, they're passing through through the water. Well, it's like a birth canal. Yeah, yeah. Well, the the, the fascinating thing to me, I was really interested in what Timothy said about uh, what was the most fascinating thing for him. To me, the striking thing as I as I w- was able to watch the film here was uh, 
uh, oh, it's the interviews, the intellectuals, the scholars, the com- the information, the the way the 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 thoughts are supported, and and you get to see the whole picture, uh, and the way they do break it down into simple understanding, and they they analyze the, this this journey they took from Egypt to Sinai, but. The, this has big implications too. This idea that they passed through the what what was the name of that um, the the sea? The idea that it, we talk about the Reed Sea. It, there has been this attempt to reduce the miracle. Oh, it was just it was just a it was just a marsh. It wasn't well, really some a sea. people. Some yeah. people. Well, that has the been miracle an attempt. never happened. Some people even even in the Jewish world say, oh, it's just a mythological story. Yeah. Except the evidence that have been exhumed, and he didn't get to talk about tonight. Right. Some's in the movie. But there's so much evidence now, archaeology evidence, that actually shows right. what happened. Right, right. And it's fascinating because it means something happened. In fact, in yeah. the German, I'm sorry, in the Egyptian writings, they have exhumed tablets now that refers to it. Sure. Isn't that amazing? And, it did is. you, and are, are you ready for this? I'm ready. There's a document. There's a document. And it's, it's colloquially called the Brooklyn Document. And I know he didn't talk about it, and it's not in his movie, but mm-hmm. I'm sharing. Uh, and in there is a listing, but it's from an ancient, it's an actual recording of slaves' names, and they're all Hebrew names when they were put into slavery in Egypt. And this document is from Egypt, it's not from the Jews. Really, yeah. There's so much we're learning these days. I, it seems like, like, like I said, we're living in an age of information. I mean, just we're barraged, and there's so much discovery. And sometimes we, we think, well, we know everything, and yet there's still so much that we're exploring and learning. Particularly when you talk about looking back three thousand five hundred years, and, and and the world changes, geography changes. This happens, and. Uh, it's just really fascinating. It gives you a perspective of that that is so beautiful. They do a great job of producing these films. And so there, there is this conflict between the, the the Hebrew perspective or the larger perspective of, of a great God doing a great thing. And, and even the nations around them heard of this great miracle at that time, which recorded. And then our constant attempt to minimize it and to make it smaller. You know, he, Timothy mentioned the conflict between the large and the small view, and they they want to make uh, the passage instead of crossing over a, a sea that and the, and the charioteers and the army of, of of the Pharaoh being covered in the sea, and now they want to make it just a marsh. And I I heard an old joke uh, uh, some preachers some years ago when they were talking about, well, it's smaller, really. It wasn't really that big a thing. There really that weren't more than maybe six thousand people, and you know the, everything is. The attempt is to reduce it, somehow make it less than miraculous or less than. Uh, and of course, what we want to know is the truth. You know, we're we're looking for what did really actually happen. But uh, one fellow said, "Well, that's that's pretty amazing that they, yeah, if it was only the reed sea two the two feet deep, and you know, he said that's a, that's really a greater miracle than I thought because." The whole army of Egypt drowned in two feet of water, <laughs> that's, that's, that's which fine. is one that's perspective fine. to you look know, at Speaking it, yeah. of that, remember that couple weeks ago I was talking about these gods and they were, how they were androgynous or hermaphrodites mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. changed sexes? Mm-hmm. Well, somebody sent me an email, mm-hmm. and they didn't say anything at all in the email. They only signed it. And do you know what they signed? Fool. 
<laughs> I get it. I get it. Well, I, I do want to mention that just before we... Of, uh, by the way, if you're in need of an ark, if there's going to be another flood or something, if you're in need of an ark, I know a one. You know a one? I, yeah, I know a one, too. I've got a, I've got my little ark for my family. We're all ready for it. But anyway, I, the, one, of the, one of the things you can expect to come from the movie when you see it on Tuesday evening uh, is, uh, and to me it was really fascinating, is that the implications of this is it might lead to a better understanding of where Mount Sinai is. If, if you know, the, the theory and the, and the idea that is presented, uh, the, the Gulf of Agabon or whatever. Aquaban. Aquaban, something like that. <laughs> I'll get it. Uh, Actually, what's fascinating to me is the ancient Jewish literature has always said, and I've talked to you know, a lot of Jewish scholars, mm-hmm. and they have always said, well, it says in the writings it was the Gulf of Aquaba. And it's always been there. But isn't it funny how that disappeared from well, a lot of maps? Well, it didn't disappear from the Jews. No, no, I mean... It disappeared from the world's information. Yeah, and the topographers, uh, somehow, there was... Well, I, the it reason was so is, insignificant, the maybe they didn't put it in there. The, the English so-called scholars copied the Greek. Uh-huh. And the Greek doesn't mention that Gulf of Aquaba. I see, okay. But actually, there is a reference to it in the book of Exodus. Uh-huh. And it actually gives a Egyptian name, and it calls it the mouth of. And I'm so we're saying the Gulf. Gulf is like uh-huh. considered in the Egyptian uh, a mouth the of. Mouth of huh? So it's actually kind of there, except since we're using an Egyptian name, we kind of miss. Well, it. well, I I'll, I won't go into more detail about it now. But folks, when you go to see the movie, that's one of the things you're going to be really excited and interested in is that this this idea of seeing the map and seeing the this Gulf of whatever, Akaban, Akaban, uh, uh, and how it figures in may be the crossing point, and then that would that would imply a movement of where our understanding of where Mount Sinai is, perhaps further further east on the and, other side of Akaban. And do you know what happened after that? The book of Joshua. Ah! Are you trying to segue into another? Boy, listen, and may I just give it? Now, this is not for tonight's section, but Uh listen to this. This is in Joshua, and this is not tonight's section, Uh but talking about the parting of the water. Uh There's a second time the water gets parted, and Uh that's in the Jordan River. The Jordan River, Uh And listen to what it says in this. It said, uh, and the children, when, I'm sorry, it says, uh, he said to the Israelis, the Israelites, when your children ask their fathers in the future, what are these stones? You shall explain to them, to the children, Israel crossed the Jordan here on dry land. For God your Lord dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until we all crossed over just as God your Lord did at the Reed Sea. Isn't that fascinating? It all is fascinating. It truly is. Well, let's get to our topic tonight. We're in the book of Joshua, chapters 6 through 24. We read through the, uh, in our reading schedule this week, we read through the book of Joshua. We introduced the book last week. Uh, This is, uh, Moses now has uh, gone on. He's passed on. He saw Israel from the Mount Pisgah. And now Joshua, this assistant of his, who was with him as an assistant for many years, Joshua now, remember Caleb and Joshua, two of the, uh, the well, we'll call them spies, but they went into the land to scout out it, 
scout out the land, and uh, they were the two of the believing uh, of the ten uh, scouts that went in. They believed God. We can do it. God's going to give us the land. Whereas the other one said, no, we can't do it. They're too big. They're too great. They're too powerful. And so they spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness to all the males of 20 years old and under at that time had died away, the former generation. Except and that shows an act of mercy. Because had God really retaliated, he could have just wiped them out in one day. Immediately, yeah. But he let them live their lives. Mm -hmm. So he was actually letting them live to their natural course and die. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately, the, the children had to travel with them. So that's the actual original meaning of the sin of the fathers are visited upon the children. It's not God doing it. The fathers caused the children have to live in the desert right. until the fathers died. Interesting, interesting. It really is. Uh, so we have the people of Israel wandering in the wilderness, these 40 years of wanderings uh, in, in the book of Joshua. Uh, and they wander. God provides for them. In the, I'm, I'm not saying Joshua. I mean in the book of um, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, after the Exodus. They wander in the wilderness. Yeah. And now they're at the east side. Uh, we found them at the book of uh, – when we start the book of Joshua, they're camped on the east side of the River Jordan, uh, two million strong or more, ready to pass over, walk over now, take this huge step of, by faith, entering into the Promised well, and, Land. And how they do it is the ark. Yeah. The ark goes into the water. The ark causes the Jordan River to stop, and they all pass over. And, of course, there's an incident with taking some stones from the bottom of the river. But when they cross over – there's two mountains there. Mm -hmm. And the Moses has told them, when you get there, and of course Joshua will write out the Torah, the entire Torah, and the two mountains. If you've seen the mountains, you'll understand what it means. Uh, once one mountain is totally desolate and bare, mm -hmm. and those the all, six tribes were on that mountain, and they read, you shall not. Uh -huh. The other mountain that faces it, it has lush and green and water and has pools of water, just lush. And those six tribes read, you shall do. Yeah, the positive and, and the – the, yeah, and they read them back and forth to one another. Yes. Is that the Valley of Elah between them? Uh, Is that – I don't know. I, I'm don't trying know to think that, of the, I the memory. I that, but – But they – they but, you know what shout you do. back and Let's, forth would you these aspects a, of the laws. Would you do me a favor before the break? Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to put this in some context, okay? Because this whole story is one complete story. Mm -hmm. So, if you'd look back in Genesis chapter fifteen, uh -huh. and don't worry about the names, because we'll lose everybody if we start trying to make them memorize names. Okay. But look in Genesis fifteen, Got it. and there's a listing of ten peoples that are in this land that Joshua is now going into. Right, the ten people groups. Uh, well, but the, and that's what I was going to ask you. Count, just count them. How many are there? Uh, let me see. There are ten of them. I right. looked at them earlier. So, okay, so we got ten, right? Don't I won't say the names of them, but there are ten of them. Yeah. The land now occupied by the Kenites, the Kenizzites, and so on. Right. So ten, ten got, nations. Right now, let's just do this. Let's take a look over at uh, chapter nine uh -huh. and verse and, and Joshua. Mm -hmm. And let me go there real quick. Chapter 9, and if you look in chapter 9, verses, uh, I'm sorry, chapter 9, verses 1 through 3, would you mind being so kind as to read those? Now, words? all of the kings west of the Jordan River now heard about what had happened. 
These were the kings of the Hittites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites who live in the hill country in the western foothills and along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea as far north as the Lebanon Mountains. These kings combined their armies to fight as one against Joshua and the Israelites. Okay, now, there are how many there? Six, seven. Let me see. But then when you read verse 3, it says that there was one tribe, Joshua had been tricked into making a peace treaty. Yeah, the Gibeonites. I remember them. Now, if we we leave them out, there's six left, right? Right. But if we count them, there's only seven. Right. Okay, yeah. Okay. So, so here's the point. We just read that God had said in Genesis there are ten, but there's only seven here. But Joshua made a peace treaty, tricked and deceived into a peace treaty, and so that leaves six. Mm -hmm. Now... Did you think somebody's writing this and they forgot and they said, oh, we left out three? No, 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 no. What this is about is this. Joshua was intended to conquer seven. That leaves the three that Moses, I'm sorry, that Abraham was talking about back in Genesis Uh chapter 15. Well, the understanding is the last three will be conquered by the Messiah on behalf of Israel. (laughs) <laughs> That's interesting. That is really, really interesting. Um, well, I wish we had time to kind of delve into it more deeply, but maybe there's not much to delve into. We'll we'll have to see uh, when Messiah well, returns. Let's, let's again, go back right? and do a couple of your questions right. in the last segment. Well, our music something. is coming up now, so we've got to. We'll have to wait till the music's over. Yeah, and we'll come back from our break, and we'll talk about these uh, chapters six through twenty-four of the great book of Joshua. This is a battle. Joshua was a commander, a tremendous military commander. Well, what, what? In fact, so, in some city? aspects of the invasion of, of uh, Canaan here under Joshua's leadership, some of these are these battle tactics are still studied in the West Point, I understand, today even. Yeah, are uh, we, are the we way off they conquered. Are we No, off? we're not. We're not off yet. We're going to come back in just a few minutes after these brief uh, uh, notices and information. Folks, don't go away. The Bible Live will continue. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. All right. God gave us a book. You know, I was thinking about that, Jacob, this past week. The idea that, in fact, it seems like somebody has even asked me this question, maybe a number of people over the years. You know why a book? <laughs> why? And I was pondering that a bit this past week. We have this. Frankly, this Bible we call the Bible is not really even one book. It's actually a library of sixty-six different books written over a period of fifteen hundred years by forty different authors. And but why a book? Why is that? And it occurred to me that well. It's about language. God spoke. He acted. He communicated himself to people. And language, particularly in that era, that time, language, and I think one of uh, uh, Timothy's um, 
part of his research has been about language, a lot of it about the development of language and so on. Uh, remember his earliest book about um, how was language came about? He talked well, about how the, the, how Jews, the Hebrew language. Here's the logic. When God spoke it into being, to speak there had to be words. To be words, to be words there had to be an alphabet. Mm-hmm. Now the Jews understand that God spoke Hebrew. So, well, to be written words, to be it had to be an alphabet. No, to speak words, you have to have an alphabet. God can't speak the world into being unless He has words. To be words, there must be vowels, there must be consonants. There has to be a language. Uh-huh. Then it became a written language. There's no doubt about that. But the Jews have always taught, yes, right or wrong, uh, I choose right, that. The God that there was before the physical world, the God had to have a language because he spoke the world into being. To speak, you must have a language. You must have words. I understood that, and I understand that I was saying that a second step, there must be language. There must be word, sound symbols of things, of events, of actions that we take. So there has to be languages, but... But then the second stage of that, uh, and that, and of course, I think isn't that the idea that early on Genesis, actually, you know, the early, early, early people passed these stories along. The, there wasn't language, and it was pa- there wasn't written language, and it was passed along in oral tradition, right? Storytelling is that yes and no. Or was there always, in your view, always, always there was an alphabet, and always there were symbols? Well, let me ask you a question. When was Genesis written? Ping. That means I don't know. That's my I don't know. Um, when was Genesis written? Yes. I would say 1,500 years. Okay. That's uh, unfortunate. B.C. Uh, unfortunate. No. Well, fortunate, unfortunate wording my part. Moses was at Mount Sinai. That's when God told the story to Moses about Genesis. Okay. So. The, while we're reading Exodus as a second book, he actually was told the entire Torah at Mount Sinai. So when he came down, he knew the story of Genesis. Now, Moses knew something before he did. But when he came down, he could write at that time. Uh-huh, so when he brings right. down the Ten Commandments, now the Protestant, the Catholic, and the Jews number the Ten Commandments differently. They're all the same, but they're numbered differently. The first one in the Jewish world from the Bible is that I am the God that brought you out of the house of bondage, out of slavery. Mm-hmm. Um, so the reason that's important is that if God had made the world and he said, and I made everything, and etc., cetera, etc., cetera, rather than saying I brought you out of slavery, then I would say to God, so you're the one that made me a slave? So that that's why it doesn't start off by saying, well, I made the world. Because I would, my answer would be, so you mean you're the one that made me a slave? That's not why it starts off. It starts off with, I, brought, I did something for you. I brought you out of the house of bondage. I gave you your freedom. Now, that, the reason that's important from the biblical or from the Jewish point of view is that is a commemoration of the Passover. So the actual, there's two events that's actually calendar events in the Ten Commandments. One is the Passover with the first one. The second one is remember the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. So you actually have that going on. 
<laughs> so when Moses come down and he could write the Ten Commandments, he could come down and he could over the next period of time, as by certainly as by Deuteronomy, he could write. So if I take a piece of ink and I write it on a board and I tell you every time you see this ink bent this way, you'll make the B sound, ba. If you write it this way, it'll be a C sound. So writing did come about from symbols. Those symbols certainly had to be were a secondary dimension from the oral. But the understanding is Moses didn't write Genesis from him just knowing the story. He was told that from God. That's the understanding. Yeah, I don't guess I've ever heard that. That doesn't surprise. I mean, that I, I, I guess I've always assumed that there was a there was a certain amount of God speaking and clarifying and explaining and filling in details and so. But the the creation story, the creation of God, surely that was uh, at some level. That was there are others they passed that that story down, right? From He's told Moses came down to back in the time of seventy Abraham elders. And, and, seventy elders. That's mm-hmm. why the Knesset in Israel right. is made up of seventy people. Uh-huh. All right, let's go uh we've got to take a quick call and go and visit with Harold is calling in this evening and uh, going to visit with us a bit. Harold, did you enjoy the interview with Timothy Mahoney? I did enjoy the interview, and thanks for taking my call. I remember I talked to him last time he was on the air. Uh It uh, happened to be a coincidence, I guess. And, uh, you know, uh, I I was going to say something about the, you know, the Red Sea or the Reed Sea crossing. And uh, and there's another thing I've come to terms with. I'm just going to stay the way I learned it. The, the Bible is written by the hand of God. It can be inspired. You can figure it out anywhere you want. But I, that's just the way I talk. It's just written by the uh-huh. by the hand of God, and that's why I'm leaving it. Now, I did hear a story, real short, about well, it was a long story, but I'll make it short. <laughs> um, uh, a rabbi had said, uh, you know, when they were approaching that sea, that the water did not part until one man. I don't know, several, one person lifted up his foot in faith that it was going to open, and that's when it opened. Now, that's a story I heard from a rabbi, uh-huh. So, uh, and I kind of liked it. You know, I kind of liked it. And if it's not in the Bible, actually, it is a very good uh, story about faith. And if it was one person that moved in that direction before the water did part, well, guess what? Everyone else followed someone that believed apparently in God, Uh and that's been going on since the beginning. And not everyone's going to believe, but I tell you what, a lot of people are sure listening for some reason. And uh, I don't mean just to the show. I just mean they just want to know about it, if they believe it or not. And, you know, I don't particularly have to have a landing or a place, but uh, I mean, I love studying that stuff too, just like uh, Timothy does and uh-huh. stuff, you know. Sure. But um, anyway, you, I know you're you getting like short to, on time. Wouldn't you like to have a life? <laughs> In a way, I kind of envy the life that he's had, all this traveling and all this seeing these incredible places and these cities and mountains and deserts and seas. I, I find it so fascinating the the life he's, well, that God has given. Well, yes. I think the life he's living now, uh, what little I heard of him, 
and I've seen online, it's it started out with his, of course, with his early early uh, past, uh-huh. right? And it wasn't and it wasn't easy, I'm sure. And then it developed into this fabulous life, you know. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, you know, and uh, but anyway, I just, you know, I guess I'll let y'all go. I just wanted to call in. I haven't called in a while. Well, good to but, hear from um, you. Yeah. Okay. I'll let y'all run. Thank you, my friend, for calling. Stay with All us. Right. Don't 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 tune us out. Just keep listening to the Bible live here, and you can call as well if you'd like to give us a call two ten three four zero. 9585 210-340-9585 just like Harold would love to hear from you and what your thoughts your responses as you listen to the interview with Tim or we talk about uh, Joshua now and the uh, leading the people of Israel into the promised land the passing over the river Jordan uh, they come to the city of Jericho named after uh, the moon god a moon god right uh, the the city of the great walled city of, of Jericho it's a fascinating story we meet this this woman named Rahab who by her faith uh, she's among those who had heard about God's delivering the people of Israel from Egypt uh, 40 years prior to that, so somehow the word, she either was old enough to have heard that when she was a little girl, perhaps, or that story had just been retold and retold to the surrounding nations well, knew it, about it's, this it's great... It's a hard thing to ignore two million people marching it. I suppose so, yeah. Uh, and, and But I'm talking about when they came out of Egypt 40 yeah. years before that. And, well, she's, uh, she's, yeah, she they knew that about she, that. She, the, sure she did. And the surrounding nations, which is a kind of a, a new thought to me for as I listen to this. That's right. This one of the aspects about this is that none of these things were done in the corner. People knew about them. The other people groups, other nations, heard about the army of uh, Egypt being destroyed and this sort of thing. And uh, very, very fascinating world. But they come into uh, uh, they come into the promised land. They crossed the Jordan. They conquered the city of Jericho. Well, now, uh, they did not conquer Jericho. All right. I'll use the exact language. God uh, conquered the city of yes. Jericho for them. And, and, so, and, and but they that, followed directions, and they did well, what God the told re- them to do. That's the, the reason of the story, that they go to this little tiny place called Ai, or mm-hmm. Ai, something mm-hmm. I guess people say. But the first battle was against the moon god. Uh-huh. So he defeated all the gods in Egypt. And then he came across the Jordan River into the Promised Land, and God beats the moon god. All right. Now he leaves it up to them to take the next battle, and he makes it real easy on them because it gives them a little tiny city, and they have such a hard time doing it. But they, they start they learning. Get, they get defeated, right? But they do get defeated. And, uh, and so it happens. They end up winning. But they have to learn how to do it on their own. And that's why God didn't give them a great big village to go battle. But he defeated the moon god. And as we know in Joshua, it says that whoever will ever rebuild the city of Jericho, well, what will happen to him, Soapy? Uh, their sons, two sons or no, one the, son? The, will be cursed. The older son, yeah. yeah. Uh, that that's later. That actually happens. Uh huh. That actually so, happens. And today, Jericho is rebuilt, and it's actually a Muslim neighborhood in in the area of Israel. But it is a it is a Muslim community, and of course, we all know that their god is really comes from the moon god. So, so what happens is, so that God defeats them. Now, one of the fantastic stories, and I'll keep it short. But so when they left, 
and we got the story that they come and they march around the city and they blow the horn, the shofar. Right. And they're carrying something, the ark. Well, why is that the way God chooses to defeat Jericho? Ding, 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 oh, I, um, you've asked me this before, now, uh, but, but go, yeah, go ahead and explain. Okay, because Why? remember Mount Sinai. Uh huh. What did the Jews hear? They heard the voice of God that sounded in Exodus nineteen and twenty, uh-huh. like a shofar. You know. Now then, the word of God came. So what happens is they march around the walls of Jericho, and what happens is when they're blowing the shofar, the sound that they heard at Mount Sinai. It's like God's voice. So the people and the inhabitants in the city of the moon god, Jericho, are hearing the sound that sounds like God's voice. And now, so the moon god hears God's voice, the real God from Mount Sinai. But the Jews are doing it. They're blowing the horns, and they're carrying the word of God. And on the last day, which would be a Sabbath, actually, the walls fall down. So... If you get the picture, that's why they marched around. They were letting the people hear the voice of God and see his word, just like at Mount Sinai. So they carried it over there into the land. And then they had to go to Ai. And then we know the story that somebody took something from Ai, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, a young man named Achan and his family, they took. They were told not to take any of the... Uh, anything. To do anything. Now, and you'll and, notice in the English, I it, don't know what yours says, but it says they took the detestable thing. Uh, gold and silver, but from gold. the idolatry, I guess. The- well, see, the problem is, Achan, he took it because of the gold. He wanted the wealth, the gold. But it was melted and shaped into an idol. So he didn't care about the idol so much, he wanted the wealth. But they were told not to do that. Uh-huh. So he buries it under his tent. And then the next day, uh, that's when they lose. And so they start getting the idea that we lost that battle with this little tiny place because somebody among all, one of us Jews, among all the Jews, took an idol. And uh, so so something happened. So, so Yeah, it's a fascinating story how the sin of this one individual, well, his disobedience, right. greed or whatever it was, affected the whole nation. And, and it is uh, pondering a, a great truth of, the impact, the the effect of sin. Uh, we have a call. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and take it. I'm sure, if you like. Go ahead. We can do that. Our our, our uh, call screener has taken taken out for a moment, but I'm going oh, to go ahead and like, visit with our our okay. caller. Uh, are you with us there on the air? Oh, I think maybe we lost our caller. I hope they'll call back and be and join us. I, uh, John has stepped call. out for a minute, so he's not yeah. taking. But. Uh, yeah, this this whole idea of Achan, this young man, and, and, and how that affects the experience of the whole nation is the whole process of coming into the promised land is affected by uh, this the sin of this individual and how God deals with it. Let's go. Uh, I hope our caller has called back, and we are getting a chance to visit with you. Hi, uh, this is Soapy. You're calling into the Bible Live broadcast. With whom am I speaking? Yeah. This is Ray. Did you say Mike? Uh, Ray. Ray. Ray, I'm so glad to hear you, Ray. What's on your mind tonight? What What do you want to talk well, about? Well, what uh, was taken 
was taken from Jericho, wasn't taken from AI. That's why the battle with AI went bad, because they had taken the the golden things from uh, Jericho. Exactly right, Ray, and they had been told very clearly and specifically not to do so. You're you're exactly right. I'm sorry if I left the wrong impression. But then they went... taken from AI, and it wasn't taken from AI. That's why God let them, God wasn't with them at AI. That's why they lost. You're exactly right, Ray. Thank you for correcting me on that. If I misspoke, uh, the the Aiken and his family, they took the uh, the wealth, the gold from, uh, from Jericho, and then, as a yes. result of that, the whole nation experienced not only an embarrassing defeat, but Interestingly, uh, people lost their lives. Men and women died because of because of this sin. Is it, I find that so fascinating that 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 sin is real. It, it really does affect real people and brings about uh, tragedy, brings about sadness, and, and uh, destroys relationships. Uh, I guess it's a little bit of a story about the seriousness of sin, right? The seriousness of disobeying God. Yes, very definitely. And then, of course, then Aiken's whole family was put to death. So, Actually, Ray, if I might address that. Yeah, that's something. I, Jacob has a perspective on that that I think I heard some time back, and it's very thought-provoking. Actually, the way that's read, and I understand why a person could read it that way, it seems like that is family. But... That would be certainly contrary to all of God's laws, that you don't kill innocent people for a sin that somebody else did. But it's when it says the things and all they had, later on you will see that the children of Achan uh-huh. was actually still around. So therefore we understand that uh, they pelted him with stones, and they burnt, when it says they pelted the other things, they did the idol and the other things they might have taken. It wasn't actually his family, because you'll find later on okay. they, they actually are in the Bible, so they didn't die. But it is. But they. But the did. consequences were severe. I mean, it's, it's no doubt about There's it. There's no right? doubt about it. And the teaching from that in the Jewish world is this, that all Jews are responsible for every other Jew. And so if I sin... I will bring a bad retribution on other Jews. Mm. Mm. Well, sin is insidious, and it does have a negative impact. It destroys relationships. It destroys the peace. Uh, there's so many effects. Maybe that's one of the lessons, at least, comes from the, the story of Achan. Thank you for calling in, Ray. We appreciate hearing from you tonight. All right, thank you. You bet. Glad you're out there. You can give us a call as well, 210. Oh, well, our time is, goodness gracious, the hours have gone, this, uh, minutes have gone by. Uh, I was just going to give the phone number, but we're coming down to the end well, of our, our program Well, one good thing already. we know is that uh, in the end of Joshua, uh-huh. in the end, we know that during Joshua's life before he died, in 24... 31. Yes. Israel served God throughout Joshua's lifetime and during the lifetime of the elders who survived Joshua, who knew everything that God had done for Israel. And then they buried the bones of 
Joseph. Joseph. Now, what happens is when we enter into the book of Judges is when they fail to still follow. But while Joshua, I'm sorry, when, when uh, Joshua was alive and Joseph, they carried the bones, they did obey because it tells us throughout Joshua's life they did obey. That was a 25 to 35-year period of the conquest of the, uh, of the promised land. And then we enter into this 350-year period of the judges that we're going to read about next, this coming week, and they, the book of the judges. And what happened is the judges is your test. It's not about the six major stories, six minor stories, but it's really your, your graduation exam. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me what laws are missing? Because starting from the first chapter, all the laws begin to be violated. So if I was going to train you to be a judge... Believe it or not, it's the same word as shofar. So you're going to read it, and when we read it, we'll say, well, wait a minute, there's something wrong right in chapter 1. They begin violating the laws, and you can find all the laws of God are violated. 613 laws, each one is violated. The book of Judges. That'll be your graduation exam. If you cannot identify them, no problem. We start over again at Genesis. (laughs) We read it again, right? Well, that's where we've come. We've looked at the book of Joshua tonight. Obviously, there's so much more we could talk about uh, in the book of Joshua. And the the experience they had is that as God kept his promise to bring the nation into this, this promised land that had been promised way back in Genesis to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, uh, Joseph, and, and, and I will tell you, you're familiar in the New Testament. Uh, actually, there's something in Joshua. If you ever want to know something when Jesus is talking about the 12 baskets and all that stuff mm-hmm. and feeding the two tribes, the, that is from Joshua. If you know what it's talking about, you'll understand what Jesus is talking Well, let's quickly, I want to mention this, the fact that the uh, there, there are three tribes, or two and a half tribes, and a half, uh, yeah. uh, Reuben, Gad, and Man- half tribe of Manasseh that stayed on the east side. Remember, they asked, let us have our... our uh, allotment Inher- of land yeah. on the east side of the Jordan, and they did allow it, but it ended up being Moses allowed it. Uh, Moses allowed it, and, the, and that is not—that's the only time that the Jews have taken a piece of land that was not given to them by God. And, and those they were became the first, the first ones that were trapped by uh, the Assyrians. The Assyrians. Tell us your statement as we oh, leave the program tonight. I always try to be the kind of person you'd like to have for a parent. See you next week, folks. Thanks for joining us. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and The Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world.